Hey listeners, we recorded a emergency pod. Uh, we were trying to wait until John was able to join us after his wedding, but we decided to talk about the Dallas Mavericks, the Phoenix Suns, Game 7, and what it meant for the Western Conference. Uh, this pod kind of ends abruptly, so forgive us. But yeah, here we go. Man! Luka and Dinwiddie combine for 65 to beat down the Suns in Game 7. Pat Bev makes the point god look mortal. And the Celtics take down Giannis and the Bucks in Game 7 to advance to the Conference Finals. I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling <laughs> great. What up? What up, man? Sammy. How you living, my friend? I'm good, man. We are live. We got a drink in hand. I cannot complain. Yeah, we were going to wait until Tuesday, but we felt like we needed to record live. We're actually here all together for John's wedding, man. Oh, yeah. So shout out to him. He's missing. I'm sure he's getting ready right now. But anyway, the Mavs, dude, I can't believe they actually beat down the Suns, literally beat down the Suns, 123 to 90. But that's not the big topic here. The big topic is that Chris Paul goes for 10, 4, and 1. <coughs> Chris Paul didn't make his first basket until the Suns were down by 40 at the 726 mark in the third quarter. We have to talk about Chris Paul, also his future. How are we feeling about Chris Paul right now, guys? Oh, man. It's Chris Paul to blame. He's got a big old hand in it, i tell you that. What's his name? Point... Demigod or something <laughs> like that? I don't know, man. Point. I, he, he God dang, what, what the hell was that? That's what. Yeah. yeah, he did not look like the point God that we're used to. And everyone's talking about this. What happened to him? I think over the last five games, his average less than 10 points, less than five assists in a very important series that everyone felt like the Mavs didn't even stand a chance, right? I don't think anyone picked the Mavs. No, no. especially the Suns. they were down. They were down 2-0. 2-0. Two convincing losses. We were just saying that the Mavs won four out of the last five games. Right. Yeah. Which is insane to think about. And yeah. the person that we're talking about, Chris Paul, as a point guard, you are the floor general. So right. when things get out of hand, or when you need to take control of the game, it is the responsibility of the point guard. <laughs> and Chris Paul being the point god should receive all the criticism because he did lose control. Yep. And let's talk about some of this game. Please. First half, Chris Paul one point, Devin Booker two. Leading score at the half, if I recall correctly, was Cam Johnson with five points. Luka Doncic was tied with the Suns at the half by himself. We have those stories to start. Yeah. For the game, Crowder with five, Bridges with six, Aiton with five. Aiton is apparently completely off his rails and going at it with Monty Williams now. Chris Paul finished with 10, and all of a sudden, like we talked about last pod, there are reports that he was injured during the series again. Don't do that. Again. Don't do it that. It came out Don't again. Don't do that. Don't do that. Booker finished with 11. The leading scorer on the team again was Cam Johnson with 12 points. So the other 14 players have problems. Cam Johnson did his part. Respect Cam Johnson. Um, look at the stories. Look at this yeah, guy. I, 
you have to wonder, are the Suns going to start to look at making a change, potentially shipping out Chris Paul, or do you guys think he's going to be forgiven and they keep him? Like, I think they're, you're at an impasse here, right? It's, it's interrelated, I think. It's interrelated to what happens with DeAndre Ayton because he's not under contract as of right now. He's a restricted free agent now. And to have that incident happen with Monty Williams at Game 7. Right. Right. With his contract looming. Right, and just to fill in everyone who hasn't heard the story yet, Aiden only played 17 minutes in this game. And unconfirmed reports came out after that he and Monty Williams were going after each other. During Game 7, when you were down by 40 points at one point. Good timing on all parties. Anyway, continue (laughs) on, gentlemen. But I guess if you have to choose... Because I, I think that they are at an impasse where they got to pay someone. Like DeAndre Ayton, he's a young, upcoming center who could be like a cornerstone for this team. Mm-hmm. But if your window was now, do you do you ship off Chris Paul for something else, or do you keep him? Well, they they went all in to win this year, or to win now. Their right. window is yeah. now. And I don't know if this year was just weird where they just lost just because Luca and the Mavs are just that good. Or choke. Like can you can you like encourage me that Chris Paul and Devin Booker, the two so-called MVP candidates, are choke artists or they're not choke artists? Well so this is where I'm so divided because obviously for content purposes, yesterday was great. So was this morning, uh, especially Pat Beverly's uh, comments on on first take, which, as a former, or as a Clipper fan, I found hysterical. Uh, you do have to step back, though. They made the finals last year. They had a shot, even though you could argue they blew that series too. Mm-hmm. They won sixty three games this year. They cruised to the first seed, and then you just had this epic collapse. And so, do you take the last week and say, okay, this is where we are going forward? Or do you chalk it up to just another supposed injury, whatever else was going on? We can get this straightened out. This is a good core, and we go forward. Chris Paul's under contract for two more years after this year. His value right now is going to be depressed. We all agree on that? Yes. Yeah. So, you're trading him. You're not getting assets back. Do you re-sign DeAndre Aiden if he wants to come back and trade him? as an asset is another possibility. So many directions here. I I think that Chris Paul is aging, which makes me feel like they, if the time to get something back, it would be now. Mm -hmm. Um, And DeAndre Ayton, they have to figure out a way to to sign him, like to extend him, because I think a lot of people are going to throw money at him. Like you said, he's restricted. Which means that other play or other teams could offer a contract, right? Correct. And like the Suns would just have to match. The Suns have a week to match any contract or offer sheet that he signs. And the Suns have never had history of going to the luxury tax. Correct. So, yeah. if the Suns want to play it cheap, and you guys know me, I'm the contract nerd and the gambling nerd. This stuff is all very intriguing to me. If the Suns want to be cheap, they do not offer him a five-year max. The reason they don't do that is because they wait for another team to offer him a four-year because that's all they can do. They save a year on term. They save about $40 million. That would be the way to go. I think that would be the way to go. So then that only breeds one other question because I agree with you economically. The question that comes up, though, is does Aiden just get completely turned off by the organization 
and how does he react if right. they if they do that to him? It's very intriguing to me as a contract nerd. Yeah, I will and, say that. and other superstars are already, I guess, messing with the pot a little bit because I don't know if you guys saw Dame Lillard actually liked a tweet saying that DeAndre Ayton should just leave the Suns and go team up with Dame Lillard, and he liked that tweet. Okay. So I'm wondering mm-hmm. if Portland could be someone who actually enters these contract talks. But if Aiden comes in and he's like, it's either me or Monty Williams, do you think the Suns would be willing to fire the coach of the year? I don't know if it's that bad yet. I think it depends on if, because with Aiden, the other thing they could do is if he wants the five-year and let's say Portland's willing to pay him, I think, I think, don't call me on this, I think they could sign and trade him under the five-year. So then it also turns into what are the assets you could get back Hmm. if you want to keep money. And well, Portland doesn't have assets, so. <laughs> like, if you could get Anthony Simons and a couple of unprotected ones. Yeah. And then you make the money work, you do that. So there's a lot of hypotheticals out there. It's all of a sudden, Phoenix's offseason got super interesting. Yeah, they're looking pretty vulnerable here. And now we're going to take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So and let's let's talk about Pat Bev because Pat Bev had a lot to say um, on first take, basically saying that our nickname for Chris Paul is the Cone. <laughs> explain the reference. Explain it. Like like during practice, how you have cones that you dribble around, and you you know you just shoot your jumper or shoot your shot or whatever. Basically saying that Chris Paul can't play defense. Um, he also had another quote saying, "When I guard Chris Paul." I go out for a steak the night before when I guard Steph Curry, I go to bed at 8 p.m. Basically saying, like, he doesn't care if he has to guard Chris Paul. Like, he doesn't cause him problems. What do you guys think of Pat Bev's statements here? Does he have actual grounds to make these statements, or is he just... Hey, kick them all down. Yeah. And Minnesota's really good at that. There you go ahead. And Sammy, like, break it down. Why would uh, Pat Bev have a personal vendetta against... Well, remember, they, they were traded for each other to start. There you go. And Chris Paul was signed and traded where we knew he did not want to go back to the Clippers. And Houston basically said, we value you so little that we're just throwing you in to get the contract that we need to make this deal work. And we also know Pat Bev probably has the biggest chip on his shoulder Yeah. in basketball. Yeah, he's but, partially yeah. right, though. Like, Chris Paul's older, the new age guards take advantage of Chris Paul's lack of defense. Right. Even though Chris Paul was known for his defense. But a few pods ago, both of you guys were saying that a few um, few years ago, you would never ever see another guard back down Chris Paul and just shoot over him. Right. But we That's saw... True. Brunson did it. Yeah, Brunson did it. Yeah. yeah. So, we actually saw this series, like yeah. how much like targeting... They were targeting yeah. him, hunting him down. Yeah. How the tables have turned. Yep. <laughs> and I actually like this um, gamesmanship by Pat Bev because if there's a way to dismantle that team, 
is try to cause as much havoc as possible. That's a great point. So yes. Pat Bev making these comments on live TV. Also Anthony Edwards going on IG Live talking about that team too. <laughs> like just trying to take them down, right? Which which is awesome gamesmanship. I don't know if it's actually gonna work, but it's a good start. It it is. I will just add one little caveat here. Maybe this is the old school guy in me. Minnesota, you beat the Clippers, you made the playoffs, you won an NBA title based on your celebration in that game, Pat Bev. <laughs> I respect that. Let's accomplish a little bit more before we start attacking every team after we lose. You, you went after the fact that Morant put up 47 and he only put up 40 or whatever it was against you. And yeah. like, yeah. like let, let, let's settle down just a little bit. Let's let's win a, a series before we start talking nonstop. Like, just throwing that out there. So we, we have to talk about um, the Dallas Mavs here. Yes. Because they did a great job. Um, mm-hmm. So Luka went off for 35, 10, and 4. Also Dinwiddie, 10, 3, and 2. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit because I said the X factor for this Game 7 was going to be Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh-huh. He went off in Game 6. Now he went off for Game 7 as well. Um, but the bigger question is, what's waiting in the wings here, is the Golden State Warriors. Do these Mavs have a chance against the Golden State Warriors? I'm going to let you start because this is your team. So, with the Warriors, they've had trouble with bigs and super athletic guards. Now, with the Mavs... They don't have either. They don't have either, which poses the question, can Luka get comfortable with this Warriors defense? And we've seen that during the regular season, the Warriors were 1-3. and three. So, you know, there's obviously some context with that 1-3. and three. Some of the details that we should note is that, for example, Draymond didn't play through those games. Right. And one of the Mavericks' win was the Warriors were actually up by 18, and they caught up to win. And I think that was due to a lack of focus. But a win is a win, so I'll give the Mavs props for that. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to Jason Kidd, because I was a doubter, and he made me a believer during yeah, this series. What do you think, Sammy? Do you think that this is a bad, bad matchup for... On paper, I completely wrote off the Mavs against Phoenix. And I will completely eat that. I also compliment you here, uh, June. You said that then would be the X Factor. I said Mikal Bridges would too. That was very wrong. <laughs> um, so I'm just I'm looking at the stat line for Dallas in this game. And it represents what my concern was with them. But it obviously worked. Brunson at 24. Luka at 35. Dinwiddie had 30. No one else had more than six. I just feel like that is not sustainable. And I'm not saying Monty Williams is not a good coach. Clearly, he's a very good coach. I think Kerr is underrated in terms of how good he can be, even though he can be very stubborn, as you both have pointed out. And I think he'll be better prepared for this kind of matchup, especially seeing what they just did to the top seed. So the question to me becomes, Are you? can you rely on Dinwiddie, Brunson, somebody to consistently put up 20 a game? And I can't see it. Now, I'm not going to underrate Dallas because Luke has been lights out, but I can't pick them to win this series. And But I do think this will go at least six. And I wouldn't have said that last round. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It's... It's kind of crazy because I'm obviously going to pick the Warriors in this for a multitude of reasons. But 
this whole time, I feel like we've all kind of doubted the Mavs, right? Mm-hmm. So even against the Suns, we thought the Suns could have potentially sweeped with them going up 2-0, right. right? Also against the Jazz, I don't think any of us really like was all too confident that the Mavs were going to beat the Jazz. But the Mavs actually pretty much... Did they handle that series? I can't they, remember. Did they take it to six? Uh, they took it to six, but the fact you got to remember in that series that Luka missed a couple games. The first... That's Dude, right. Luka missed the first three. The first three, three yeah. yeah. The first three, which mm-hmm. is... And Brunson went nuts. So I feel like this Mavs team is... It's so hard to get a pulse of right. exactly what they are and how they do it well. A lot of it is just sort of like Luka magic with with this weird defense that there's not like an all defensive player in there. Right. But they play very good team defense. And I'm sort of wondering what this game one is going to look like. Also with this question, how do the Jazz look at their future now? Because this Mavs team took down the Suns. And the Suns looked almost untouchable, right, going into the postseason. Like everyone picked them as a favorite. They also dismantled the Jazz. Do the Jazz now look at this and say, you know what? This wasn't that bad. Our season wasn't that bad that we lost no. to these Mavericks. Well, or yeah, are go. they still in shambles? They're still in shambles. <laughs> okay. When, when you do look at those games, the point of attack, meaning if a guard has the ball at the top of the three-point line and they're able to get past the defender, that's just terrible defense. And it was over and over. They, the Mavs got whatever they wanted. or And... They're just, they used to be known for their defense. Mm-hmm. And Rudy Gobert was just like, hey, I can't play defense all by myself. Right. And the fact that you have Donovan Mitchell and him not getting along, and it's been, how long has the history of this has been? Like, it's been a few years of the rumors between those two not getting along, so. Right. Right, and on that note too, exactly where you're going with this. I, I get where you're coming from of, okay, they beat Phoenix. Maybe it's not as bad as we thought. But at the same time, apparently you have two very disgruntled centers. They just happen to be in different cities here. I think the fact that Phoenix lost the way they did maybe doesn't speak as well to the Jazz. It just speaks that maybe things weren't as rosy in Phoenix as we thought. And this Jazz team had a very clear ceiling to me. They had a second-round ceiling the entire year. I think all of us said that. Nobody expected them to go anywhere. And it's very clear there are major chemistry issues there, and you can't keep that team as it is. They just don't get along. So can I throw one other? I'm just going to... Do a little pat pat on the back here. I want to congratulate Luca for finally avoiding the Clippers so he could show what he could do in the playoffs (laughs) after getting knocked out in the first round for the last two years. So you can thank Pat Bev for that, Luca. Luca, thank Pat Bev for knocking out the Clippers. We'll see you next season. Thanks. Who who receives, before we move forward, who receives the most blame for the Suns? Doesn't it feel like an organizational fail, but it's going to end up on Chris Paul's shoulders? As some of the blame should. It's it's gonna end up being blaming Chris Paul. A lot of it is because he's been so steady throughout the season, and to literally disappear for five games in a playoff series, I, I don't I don't think that could be forgiven. I mean, if he had like mm-hmm. maybe one off game, one good game, one off game, if it was like that, that could be forgiven. But five straight terrible games in a series, you can't forgive sure. that. Yeah, I I agree. Blame I, everybody. Yeah. yeah, you gotta blame. Uh, you gotta even blame the the mascot, the gorilla guy, <laughs> the lady selling the 
the, the ice cream. Yeah. Do you, do you <laughs> notice? Somehow this is Mark Cuban's fault. <laughs> yeah. Do you both notice one thing, though? Do you know a player that we've both barely talked about? We've barely mentioned Devin Booker. He went 3 for 14 in this game. Yeah, yeah. people are calling him like Kobe. Mr. Kobe. Nah, yeah, but, but he's barely been discussed. No one's talking yeah, about him. They, they need to retire this comparison already. And he talked a lot of the trash. Yeah. yeah. He and Luca went at it, and Luca had a big smile that was all over Twitter by the end of game seven. So, I want you guys to predict the next series here. How many games? Who wins the series? Sammy, you go first. Warriors and six close out on the road. Okay, JJ. I say Warriors and six. Yeah, I'm, I think we're all saying Warriors and six here. 